Okay. So today, um, I'm going to wish you, first of all, all of you happy Easter. And later on, perhaps ask, what does that mean? <laughs> because one of the um, one of the issues I'd like us to consider today is what we call our basic forms of practice. Um, I could have entitled this talk, Buddhism for Dummies. And there are many books addressing Buddhism for Dummies, uh, basic, basic Buddhism. But one of the basics of Buddhism is having a kind of lightness and humor. So it seemed appropriate to, instead of entitling the talk Buddhism for Dummies, I would call it Buddhism for Bunnies. And in this talk, we're going to take a look at not the basics of the teachings, but the basics of our form, of how we approach our practice, our practice forms, like the Han, like the bells, like lighting incense, like uh, bowing, like chanting. All of these elements of our practice are basic to the practice. And periodically, and especially lately, I've been hearing from some of you, I don't like these forms. What, <laughs> why, do, why, do we, why do we strike the Han? I, I don't like listening to that. Uh, why are we chanting? I don't, I don't understand what all this chanting is about. Um, and I refuse to bow. <laughs> you know, I don't bow to anybody. So what, what is, why are we doing all of this? And there is a resistance uh, to doing them, particularly not knowing the meaning of these forms. And even if we did know the meaning, which is almost impossible to know, we would reject it anyway. So from some practitioners, it's the criticism and the resistance takes the form of, <clears throat> well, why don't we just come in and sit down and meditate? <laughs> Why do we have to have all this rigmarole uh, associated with, with this practice? And sometimes we call it ritual, the ritual of Zen. Uh, in Zen, we, we don't particularly call it ritual. We call it the form of our practice. These are forms of practice. They're not uh, just kind of mechanical um, activities. They, they are our practice taking form in the Han, in the incense, in the bells, in the bowing, in the chanting. These are all forms of practice. And so 
to engage in them rather than just sitting back and listening to them or resisting them is a form of practice. And I want to call your attention to the fact that we live with one ritual after another. We are always manifesting our values, our beliefs, our inclinations, our preferences, our understandings in ritual, in repeated activities. And so it's interesting that there is a resistance to the forms of our practice. And perhaps we can take a look at what the nature of that resistance is. But for example, today is Easter Sunday and we wish people happy Easter. That's a kind of ritualistic uh, greeting today. Uh, but we don't really examine what that means. What does it mean to have a happy Easter? Um, and for example, almost every holiday that we celebrate, we have a, usually a ritual associated with it. Even like Thanksgiving, we gather as a family with a certain traditional meal and many of us don't even know the story of Thanksgiving or what the meaning of the turkey is or the stuffing or the, or the, the green bean casserole with the, with the fried onions on the top. <laughs> but we go through these rituals like today, Joe and Leanna are with family um, and they're going through a certain uh, Easter ritual. That's why in a way I didn't expect all of you to show up today because my expectation was that you would be out ritualizing, <laughs> ritualizing Easter and that somehow this wasn't, this wasn't part of that ritual showing up here today in a, with Buddhist practice. So, the ritual that um, I want to call to your attention, which I think is very common to all of us, is when we, for example, invite friends or family, let's say friends, to good friends, beloved friends, to a meal at our home. And we engage in the ritual of imagining what they would like, preparing the foods, buying the foods, um, preparing the table, getting out our best dishes and our clean napkins, <clears throat> and maybe purchasing a really good bottle of wine um, even though we have a precept against intoxication, we would never, never go overboard on that. Um, and setting the table. Why do we set the table in the way that we do? Why do we have flowers on the table? 
um, is what is the meaning of all of that? Um, so we meet, we meet our friends at the door and maybe we give them a hug or if we don't know them very well, you know, we shake, shake their hand, um, we invite them in, we sit down, we're quiet for a while, maybe we have a little bit of conversation before we go to the table, maybe we serve an appetizer to prepare for the meal, and then we come and sit down, and we have a certain ritual of maybe saying grace or um, bowing to one another if we're Buddhists and maybe um, just waiting until someone starts to eat, you know, not all, you know, uh, diving into our meal. We, we kind of wait and then pass the dishes. Um, all of this is the all of this is the ritual um, and the sequence of um, dishes is also a ritual. And then we wait until everyone is served before we start eating. We close with dessert. We have some nice conversation and then we give each other a hug and depart and we've had had, basically, we've just filled our tummies. <laughs> you know, we've, we've just satisfied our hunger. That's like, just come in, just come in, sit down. <laughs> sit down and be quiet. Sit down and shut up and meditate. We could just say, well, come on in, dig into the, <laughs> dig into the food and then go. <laughs> as soon as you've had enough, just leave. There's a sort of analog, analogy to our spiritual experience. We call people to the Zendo with the Han. We sound the Han uh, to say, get ready, prepare the meal, <laughs> um, light some incense, purify the air, or, you know, beautify the space, um, listen to the bells, listen to the bells so that you become more and more present. And perhaps there's a Dharani that's chanted, just like grace might be said before a meal to sort of, in this, in our case, to allay disasters, to, to prevent uh, harm from befalling us and all beings. So these are the rituals of everyday life. And many of them don't really have any intrinsic meaning. They're like, I wonder every, every Christmas for all of our lives, we go through the same rituals we hang lights, we, we decorate the trees, we buy presents. And I sometimes think, aren't we tired of this? You know, we've already done this. Why are we doing this again? Are people genuinely excited about doing this again? But we are. 
So ritual is a, an important part of our lives. What makes our rituals a bit different than ordinary life rituals? Our lighting incense, bowing, sounding, inviting the bells, um, chanting, is that they are more obviously meaningless. That's their virtue. They're transparent. They're done without commentary. They're just, we're just experiencing the experience to experience it. The ritual is fundamentally empty. And that's why we can experience it fully, just as it is. Just putting the incense stick in the incense holder, just striking the Han, just doing that. You can ascribe meaning to it if you want. And we do because we, we need to know, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I don't wanna do it unless I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. That's not Zen. As we, we read about Shikantaza, just do it. Just do whatever it is without having to control it by knowing the meaning. Because fundamentally, almost everything we do is meaningless, except for the meaning that we ascribe to it. And our forms are, are just that. We can ascribe meaning to them, but the real purpose of our forms is to do something purely without engaging a lot of commentary, a lot of intellectualizing. Oh yeah, I understand the words of this Dharani. The Dharani is, you can't translate it. You just, it's not speech. It's just sound. <laughs> There's no meaning to it, except kind of coming from the heart supplication of help you know, like prayer, like speaking in tongues. The Durrani is a form of speaking in tongues. It doesn't have ordinary meaning. And we can throw ourselves into that just to experience each syllable. But we resist because we have to know, we have to know, we have to understand what is it that I'm doing well, what is it that you're doing when you set the table with your good dishes <laughs> and your, you know, your fancy napkins? What is it that you're doing? You're honoring something. You're giving form to your care for the people who are coming to dinner. 
Similarly, we do the chanting, the incense, the bells, the han, in order to express our care for this practice, to prepare for it, to come into full presence without having to have a lot of meaning to it. It's like just sitting, just inviting the bell, just making these sounds, <laughs> chanting these sounds. And these are rituals, forms, that we do every Sunday. Just as we sit on our cushion again and again and again and again. Just as every day we cook a meal and then we eat it and then we have to cook another meal and then we eat it and then we cook another meal and we eat it. We sweep the floor and then tomorrow we sweep the floor and the next day we sweep the floor and the floor gets dirty and we sleep, sweep it again. And we keep <laughs> doing this ritual again and again. We cut our hair, it grows back. We cut it, it grows back. We cut it, it grows back. We wash the dishes. <laughs> we dirty the dishes. We wash the dishes, we dirty the dishes. We take a shower, we get dirty. We take a shower again, <laughs> again and again and again. And all our effort disappears. It's continually disappearing. It's empty of meaning. It's impermanent. But yet we do these, we do these rituals to be present to our lives. And it's often seen that these rituals are menial. <laughs> you know, we just, we play the Han, we, we repeat these mantras and Dharanis. And sometimes these are seen as the most menial sorts of activities. We value people who accomplish uh, great things like building the twin towers, things that last. <laughs> Good luck with the twin towers. <laughs> you know, things that last, bridges, you build bridges and those last. And that is, that is a good accomplishment. That's a valued accomplishment. But sweeping the floor, washing the dishes, taking a shower, cooking meals, these are these are lower level forms of activity, menial, we call them. But that's why in our practice, they are the highest forms. <laughs> that's why at monasteries, life is sweeping the floors, <laughs> making the meals, doing the gardening again and again, simple activities. Things that don't take a lot of, um, advanced, you'd have to be a PhD to know how to sweep the floor. 
take a shower, ring a bell, <laughs> strike a han. And we do them over and over again. And doing these over and over again with full presence aligns us with the impermanent nature of reality. These are activities which align us with the flow of life, these simple activities. Because everything is impermanent. And when we continue to make a meal and eat it, make another meal and eat it, wash the dishes, get them dirty, wash them again, we are we are in the flow of the impermanence of life. We don't hold on to anything. So this is, um, this is Buddhism for dummies. And I, I, I want to offer a little story to illustrate the true nature of Buddhism for dummies. This is a story, and this probably dates me, um, about a ventriloquist named Edgar Bergen, who had a dummy uh, called Charlie McCarthy. I don't know whether any, anybody remembers this, but he was a performer, a ventriloquist, and his, he would have Charlie sitting on his knee and they would entertain people, you know, because he would, he would make, make Charlie McCarthy seem as if he were alive. Well, during a tour uh, one year, uh, one of the script writers for this comedy routine happened to pass the hotel room where Edgar Bergen was staying. And the door was slightly ajar and this script writer was going to deliver the script for the performance to Edgar Bergen. But as he passed the room, he heard Edgar Bergen talking to someone. And he peered in to the room and he saw that Edgar Bergen was talking to Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> his dummy. And this wasn't a rehearsal. This was a real conversation between Edgar Bergen and his dummy. And the, the script writer kind of peered in and he, he went, <clears throat> you know, announcing his presence. And he walked into the room and he greeted Edgar Bergen and he said, I was listening, you know, just happened to be listening to your discussion <laughs> with Charlie McCarthy. And um, that's just a dummy. Why are you, why are you engaging with him? And he said, well, I, I know, I, I know Charlie McCarthy is a dummy, but I ask him the most profound questions and he gives me the most amazing answers. <laughs> brilliant, he's brilliant. 
And the scriptwriter says, well, that's not a separate person. <laughs> that, you know, that's you. He said, yeah, I know. I know that's me. But the dummy that I live with is far more brilliant <laughs> than I am. And I consult him all the time on major issues <laughs> that I'm struggling with. So we are actually within us, there's a dummy, <laughs> there's a Charlie McCarthy. And the root, the root of the word dumb is silent, dumb, silent. We like to think of ourselves as really smart, really, really on top of things, really bright, really intellectual. But there is something within us that is unspeakable, that's dumb. And it's that we need to connect with <laughs> to discover the truths of our lives, not something intellectual, but something silent like this dummy. <clears throat> That's why we practice in silence, to connect with our unspeakable nature, the, the dummy within us. You, each of us, is a ritual ourselves. Our very nature is a form. We actually are put together in a ritualistic way. We are basically empty of meaning. We can live without commentary, just sweeping just washing the dishes, just cutting the lawn, just taking a shower, just lighting incense, just striking the han. Too much information, being too smart, even as a Buddhist, too smart, we say someone who is too full of spiritual information information stinks of Zen, stinks of Zen. Too much speaking, too much explaining, too much interpreting, too much achieving, too much of a hierarchy, stinks of Zen. Just eat your porridge. <laughs> just mow the lawn. What we often say, when you're hungry, just eat. When you're sleepy, just sleep. And we practice this by just sitting, just lighting incense, just chanting from the heart these syllables. This is our practice. 
So you could say in the spirit of Easter, we resurrect, <laughs> we resurrect our lives every day. Every moment is a resurrection. And in that sense, we are aligning ourselves with the truth of life, which is impermanence, just constantly resurrecting, constantly renewing, and constantly surrendering to this presence, to this moment, without explanation, without interpretation. I once uh, <clears throat> was driving in Belfont, which is a town near here, and I happened to see a little girl standing on a ledge, um, and her father, Josh and uh, Kelly may, may relate to this, um, a father was standing a few feet uh, in front of her and he was holding his arms out, you know, like jump, <laughs> jump. And for a moment she hesitated and then she just jumped. She jumped into his arms, trusting that she would be caught and she was caught. This is our practice. Just jump, just do it, just do it. Have confidence, have confidence in trust yourself, trust the practice. You can have your doubts, but in the face of that doubt, jump. <laughs> Happy Easter whatever that means. Thank you.